wouldn't do anything. Yeah. To record another episode of American Brews and Tunes. Hey, poo! Here's a theme song. You know it's not a mean song. It's a good song, just as it should song. American Brews and Tunes. Shibbity beebidow! Wow. Thanks again for returning to us for our. Second part of our two-part episode. Yes. Uh, if you have forgotten already, because, you know, it's pretty easy to forget what happens in people's lives and in your own, uh, <laughs> we're doing this uh, this two-part episode, this being the second part, uh, where we kind of do a study of how bands change over the progress, over the course of their careers. Yes. We'll say that. Bands change from album to album. Sometimes they change from song to song, but we're going to stick with the from album to album. <laughs> yeah, so last so. week, Steve listened to the self-titled album from Bon Iver, and I listened to the album uh, from Against Me called Becoming Axl Rose. Reinventing. Reinventing Axl Rose. There my you bad. go. And uh, last week, or this week, we are listening to albums from the same exact bands, but obviously later on in their career. Yep. Uh, I am listening to Bon Iver's album 22 A Million, and Jesse's listening to Against Me's Transgender Dysphoria Blues. Yes. So these, there's been plenty of years in between each album that was released, so obviously there's got to be some type of change. We're yep. here to enlighten you about those changes, I suppose. Yeah. Yes, we are. Uh, but we're also talking about beers that are somewhat similar or related uh, yeah. in some yeah. respects, Yeah, right? last week um, I had a brew by Evil Twin Brewing called Yin. Um, and I don't know if any of you guys have heard of this little thing called Yin and Yang, but obviously Evil Twin has heard of it. <laughs> because this week I'm having the opposite one of that beer, Yang. And what was the Yin? The Yin was an Imperial Taiji-style stout. So what's the Yang? The Yang is an Imperial Taiji, and I believe I'm saying that right, it's T-A-I-J-I. I think it's just Taiji, maybe? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, regardless, it is an Imperial Taiji-style India Pale Ale. So, I'm kind of excited to try this, obviously. Uh, That'll be curious. It is also, um, if you remember last week, the stout was 10%, and this IPA is also 10%. So, it is going to be a boozy one. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, literally it is, but, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Anyhow. What are you having? Uh, what last what week, did you have last week? I had the Bearded Iris Homestyle. Okay. A delicious brew. Okay. This week I'm having the Bearded Iris Double Homestyle. Ooh, oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> so it's clearly just a imperial version of the regular home style. Yes, and or a double version of it. Yeah, and or. And or. That's for and sure. And or. <laughs> uh, and or. A fun, That's little, for sure. fun little piece of trivia. Can, can trivia, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Normally in their beers, right underneath where, where the name is, they'll have three descriptive words. Yes. Like sometimes they'll say citrusy, or I've seen one be pillowy. Pillowy, yeah. Mo, like ones like one. mosaic, ones they'll, they'll give little descriptors, ones they'll say dry. Yeah. Um, but on this one, there's just three words. Okay. Not necessarily three descriptors, but three words. And here's what it says. Mosaic for days. <laughs> Classic. So I'm really excited to see what this is. The, for all you who don't remember what the home style is that I had last week, it is from Bearded Iris, one of our favorite local Nashville breweries. Yes. And it is a hazy New England style IPA, so it's unfiltered. What? 
and it's really kind of juicy, hoppy, and sweet and delicious. Like when you pour it into a glass, it's it's all cloudy and whatnot. You're just like, oh my gosh, that looks like a meal in a glass. That looks like a tasty meal. Looks like orange juice almost. Whatever your tasty meal would be, whether it be a steak or like a <laughs> casserole or a pizza <laughs> what? or whatever, whatever your ideally tasty meal is. That's what this beer looks like in a glass. I'm gonna have to disagree with you because I don't think so. It doesn't, doesn't literally look like that, Steve. <laughs> well, I think a stout looks like a beer in a glass, but not. This. No, it doesn't. All, all I'm saying is that like this beer is delicious. It's and delicious. Awesome. But I'm, I'm like I don't know I'm where like, you, I don't know where you were going with that, and I didn't. It just didn't make sense to me. I'm like I'm liking it. Likening it. Likening it. I'm liking the beer, I suppose, but you're I'm, likening. I'm likening it to. Uh, if you were, say you were hungry, yeah, and then you see like your ideal delicious meal, and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks so good. It's appetizing. Yeah, like it's a appetizing. Meal would be appetizing. So that that's what this beer is. Okay, I thought you were like, and, it looks and like is a going steak. to be. No, I wasn't literally saying that. It looks <laughs> no, like but a it kind of sounded like that. No, I, no, it didn't. Kind of. I never. I didn't mean it like that anyway. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's say that we uh, want to give these a crack, a little pour, and a little yeah, little descriptors. And yeah, stuff. let's do that. Oh boy. In case you couldn't tell by that sound, we both have cans. Jesse has a 12-ounce standard-looking can, and I got the big uh, pint-sized can, the 16-ounce can. It smells delicious. Well, Jesse and I are are about finished pouring our beers. Jesse's beer is quite heady. Uh, mine is quite perfect. Look at how the different how different the colors are. Jesse's beer is very dark. You what guys, you, you guys, look at how different the colors are. I would say this is like. Like an uh, orange red, kind of like an orange brown, yeah, yeah, kinda like a red brown. Orange Whereas brown. mine is a hazy, H- hazy wheat color, hazy golden, wheat gold orange, a little bit dark. You know, like how the the stalks are a little bit darker than the grains on top. Yeah, we'll go with that. I'd say it's like the stalk, but it's cloudy for sure. It's not as cloudy, I think. And I have I wasn't able to fit the entire can into my glass, so that could be the reason why. But it's not as cloudy as I thought it would be. So perhaps some of the sediment still in the bottom of that can. Whenever I fill it back up, we'll know. But uh, what's your smell like? Oh, it smells really good. Oh, <laughs> take a little, got a little bit of, got a little bit of the foam on my nose. Oh, that that was in a a previous episode. You got foam on your nose, and you were like, "I got foam on my nose, but don't call me a foam nose." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got foam on my finger, but don't call me a foam finger. But you can buy a foam finger at a football game. <laughs> foam Anyhow, finger. Mine foam, smells delicious as well. Foam finger is a doomy. Um, very hot present. Very delicious smelling. Oh my! What Even I, I've been like kind of tasting the foam, and it's really intense. Is it really? If, if the foam's intense. intense, one can only imagine what the beer will be like. Am I right? Uh, my beer, I guess, is sixty only sixty-five IBUs. That's actually pretty low. Yeah, I, I would have assumed, that, I would would assume that an imperial IPA would be a little bit higher than that. One might assume, but one might be wrong. Exactly. So I, me being one, is wrong. You know what they say about assuming? It makes you look like a dummy whenever you're wrong. I was just about to say, assuming can be all right. <laughs> I, I thought that's what they said. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay to assume things. Yeah. Like, say you wake up and... Um, you know, your room's still... Like, when you went to bed, your room was dark. You turn the lights off. But then when you wake up, there's light in your room. You assume so it's light outside, So you right? could assume that it's daytime. You might be wrong, and maybe there's a fire outside, but... Exactly. But it's safe to assume that if it's light in your room and your lights are off, 
It's daytime, probably. Pursue the truth, but it's okay to assume. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you say we give this the old uh, one-two slogan the old one, two, down the hatch? Yeah, sounds like a plan. Oh, delicious. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. I don't know what you're experiencing right now, but this this must be heaven on earth. I am experiencing pure hop bliss. Bearded um, iris is heaven on earth. <laughs> Home style. Right, try it again. Bearded iris is heaven on earth. <laughs> that was bad. That wasn't the best. Um, This has got to be more than 65 IBUs. Is it? Is it really... It's pr- it's really, really bitter. strong. It's really hoppy. Mine's so mild and drinkable, but it, like the hot presence is there. But it's juicy and it's delicious. And I, I I'm gonna check this in on our favorite, uh, what do you call that? Our favorite social Beer media app. drinking app called Untapped. I'm gonna give this a five out of five. I'm gonna, Perfect give, rating. I'm giving this a four point five out of five. This um, is so golden good. This is one of my favorite beers ever. This double home style. Is it? It's so good. This beer, I would have this over and over. Like the the regular homestyle was fantastic, but the double homestyle just gives it a lot more oomph, just a lot more backbone, just a wee bit more oomph. It must have added some more hops and some more grains and all kind of stuff. But it must the, have added oh man, something so to give good. it that extra oomph. You know mm. what I'm talking about? You want to do a little trade ski, a little taste ski? Yeah, you know what? I think that we probably should know a little about trade ski. Here you go. Okay. <laughs> Oh, your smell! Whoa, your smells way different than mine. Yours doesn't really necessarily smell like IPA. That's what I, I would expect. I think I can smell booziness almost. Let's give these a try. Yes, let's give these a try. That's really good. This tastes boozy. Yeah. This is a really intense beer. Well, I'll say one thing about that double home style. It does not taste like a locker room. Yeah. Um, Not that I, I would know it's much more drinkable than yours. Yes, I would say so. Uh, you could have one of those Yangs and be done for the night. You could have a couple of these double home styles and, and, and it's just drinkable. Yeah. It's delicious. Right, exactly. Mine actually clocks in at, I think, 8.2% is what it says. Yes. Um, so that's not the thing you want to pound back and forth when you're, like, during a weekday, you know? Just not to... Yeah. you got to get up in the morning. It's not a good idea, but it's it tastes very smooth and drinkable. Hmm. It's delicious. Oh, as per usual, if our uh, if the beer t- changes per our taste buds as it warms up, we will let you know. Hmm. Do you want to move on to the music? Yeah, you know what? Why don't we? All right, we'll just continue in the same order that we did last week, so I'll go first with uh, Bon Iver. Okay, let's do it up. <laughs> let's do it up. Now, as I said before, this album is called 22 A Million. Yeah. All right, so this album came out five years after they released their last album, which was a self-titled in three years since their last live show. So they did yeah. a, a, a live show. I don't remember which country they were in, but they went on hiatus. They, they made it very clear that they weren't broken up. The record label also made it very clear. Because right. they're the ones, you know, right. got to make that bank. Um, so they, they were just on a really long break. And Justin Vernon, uh, like like I said in the last episode, he's the he essentially is Bon Iver. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's he their is. singer-songwriter, multiple music, multi-instrumentalist, um, Guy from Wisconsin that he's all Claire from all Claire, Wisconsin, Claire, yeah. yeah. So he spent a lot of time writing and recording in his hometown with some of his friends and people he knew, and I think he actually recorded in that the house that he lived in. He yeah, lived there they... and then he moved out and they recorded there, or he was living there while they recorded. But he had been a resident there for a long while prior. Yes, he made uh, that, for, that clear for a while. Yeah, um, 
I can't remember what they called their studio. There's a name. I'm drawing a blank right now. You can look it up if you're if you're so inclined. if you're interested in if that. If not, it's okay. Anyhow, uh, the, he was writing all this new stuff that was really different. I don't mean lyrically. I mean musically. Yeah, musically. Uh, so recording wise, they incorporated a lot of new things, such as a lot of electronic instruments, which really wasn't present at all in the last couple albums. Maybe a little yeah. bit in the last one, but not so much. <clears throat> Definitely not in the first album. Yeah. Uh, he he put in. A little bit of hip hop influence. Yeah, well, he, he put in a lot of because uh, he worked with samples. Kanye West uh, in I between. Believe. Yeah, uh, yes, he used a lot of samples in this one and random yeah. samples from live performances, old songs, even samples of like people talking. And yeah, like there's there's one sample in one of the songs from a local radio station mm-hmm. that he listened to in Eau Claire or something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's really odd. Yeah, uh, and they used some brand new instruments, which I'll touch upon later. Yeah, when I say brand new, I mean they created them. Yes, they created uh, like they were inventors yeah. of instruments. What's an yep. what's an instrument instrument inventor called? Uh, Is there a name for them? <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's got to be a name. I'm trying to think because like a I luthier know is someone who makes it, but they don't invent make, it. Well, luthier is specifically about guitars. Yeah. Uh, but they don't they don't like create no, new things. They I mean, make... they didn't like get a pat- patent on it, obviously. But all I know, I'm trying to think of it because there was like someone who invented. I'm trying to think of what like someone invented the saxophone. Yeah, like that hasn't always been an instrument, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, every instrument was invented by somebody. I don't think there's a name. There's probably a name. We just don't know. I bet you there's a weird name. A music. Uh, pardon our ignorance of the nomenclature. <laughs> yeah, but aside please. from that, they did invent a instrument for this album, which I will touch upon later. Okay, because it's Sounds I think good. it's a very big part of the album. Oh yes, very much um, so. But it's it's very unique, and even aside from that, they do a lot of weird sounds and weird manipulate manipulation of sounds. Yes. Uh, so it's it's a very different sounding album. Um, comparing it, since this is a episode that compares prior albums to, to later albums, there's a lot that changes in yes. this one. Um, when this album came out, uh, just as a, a side note, I guess, it was a huge critical and commercial success. It sold mm-hmm. a lot. I think it was a top-selling album of the week whenever it came out. Um, critically, it's... it's uh, What do you call that? Critically... Acclaimed? Acclaimed, yes. Uh, some people likened it to Kid A by Radiohead, which oh, is, really? is supposed to be a, one of their really big albums, which I actually don't know much about Kid A. Uh, but I know it's supposed to be um, I haven't listened to a revelation, much. so I hear. And this album also garnered a couple more Grammy nominations. They uh-huh. didn't win, but they were yes. nominated. So even to be nominated, it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite bands was recently nominated, Blink One Eight Two, but uh, that's another story. They also didn't win, right? Who did win for the best rock album? I uh, was that uh, one band. There ain't no rest for the wicked. Money Cage the is, Elephant. I think they won. Oh, I wouldn't call okay. them a rock band, but they were. It was they were up for rock album of the year. Oh, rock is so Grammys, broad. but also Grammys, the Grammy definition of rock is even broader than... Exactly, yeah. Um, just as, as a, a note up front about this album, I cannot, for the most part, tell what these songs mean lyrically, what Justin Vernon is trying to say. Yeah. Uh, I looked up the lyrics. I even read interpretations of the lyrics, um, but it's, it's tough for me. The lyrics are, are often cryptic, uh, I am possibly convoluted, and they're very dense. Um, I would say that it would require a lot of dedication to sit down and dissect these lyrics and really absorb them to actually fully understand what he's saying. Yeah. I was telling Jesse earlier, they could probably teach a college course on this album alone lyrically. Yeah, I would say so. Um, so I'm not really going to touch too terribly much upon, um, upon the themes. If, if you have any the inputs. one, The one thing that I would say, um, kind of similar to 
the last album that you reviewed, mm-hmm. uh, what was the term? Epochs? Epochs. There's definitely it about seemed, instances. It, it seemed like that most of these songs are also in that same vein of like being about certain places that he is in his life. Or certain events. Situations, or events, situations. But even places. then, I couldn't really decipher what yeah. he meant. Yeah. I, I got, I would, I, and I even said in my notes, which you'll, you'll hear later, this is about some specific event, but I don't touch upon what it is or what yeah. it means, because I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to be as deep about what the songs mean as I normally am. Just a little heads up, you know. Uh, and also, one other, thing, one other little note. Um, the titles are, again, important. Yes, last, very, very much. Last very album. Much so. It was places. That, yeah. like each title was a place. This time, it's a number, usually. Yeah. They might elaborate a little bit more than just a number, but there's numbers, and each number has significance for some reason to, to Justin Brin. Yes. Um, so, shall we begin? We shall. We shall. And I am going on the same rating system I did last <clears throat> week. The okay. French rating. The okay. Bon Iver okay. rating system, okay. I call it. Sounds good. The Bon Iver rating system. <laughs> bon Iver rating system. Um, copyright Stephen Johnson, 2018. You'll only be able to use it one more time if I ever recommend the first album. I could re-review an album one day, maybe. You never know. True. Ratings change over time. Anyways, the first song is called 22 Over Soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I gave this a rating of Bone, and I gave it a honorable mention. Nice. Um, And just a note, the soon is not written with two O's. It's written with two um, infinity symbols. Yes, but I, for... Another note here, if you actually look at the track listing on the back of the album, it's almost hard to read. They use a lot of symbols instead of letters. Um, I'm not going to note upon that too much. I'm just going to read it in the layman's terms or or whatever you want to call it. Um, But yes, Jesse is correct. The two O's and soon are infinity symbols turned sideways. Yes. One infinity symbol turns sideways. Two. Two. But anyway, um, going back to the numbers, 22 is Justin Vernon's Vernon's favorite number. He's on record as saying this, and he mm-hmm. describes how it represents duality, kind of in general. Like, you can use yeah. the duality for a lot of reasons. But especially in this song, with that line, it might be over soon. Yeah. And Justin Vernon mentioned that depending on the person and the situation, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Like, say it's a, you're having a really good time, you're like, oh, no, this might be over soon. Yeah. Or versus someone who's having the worst day of their life. They're like, it might be over soon, thank goodness. So, yeah. it's, so there's duality to it, 22. It yeah. might be over soon. Um, so that's pretty cool planning, and it's it's got a weird melody, but it's one of the songs I remember. So that's yeah. also why I honorably mentioned two, it. Two, two. Which Jesse's doing right now. He takes the word soon, soon, but he kind of manipulates it into a way that it sounds like two. So like the, the the letter two, and he says it twice, so that's twenty two. So obviously yeah. he's he's referencing that. Um, but I gave this honorable mention because I thought that was a cool little little reasoning behind the title and what it meant. But also, I can remember the melody, so that's yeah. a good reason to remember it. And, and it all... might be over soon. Where you gonna look for confirmation? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say one thing too, as we uh, before we uh, move on here, that uh, this I, I I had mentioned last week that it was really difficult to remember, like what so, what certain songs sounded like. Yes, and with this with this album, it is much easier for me to remember what a song sounds like. I think I might agree and, with you. And when I say much easier, that doesn't mean that I am able to. If, if you're like, oh, what does this song eight a circle sound like? I wouldn't be able to be like, like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, but songs are more memorable. I would agree. They're Which, more distinct. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, distinct, distinct is a better. That's word. a way better word. Yeah. Um, but before I move on, um, a quick little. Another side note, because <laughs> there's so many side notes with this album, I feel like. You yeah. could footnote the entire album, and, and it would be like a whole book of footnotes. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have 
contended that 22 represents Justin, while a million represents either everyone or everyone else. I'm not really entirely sure. Um, the first song on this album is 22 A Million. The last song is literally called A Million. When you bring that together, it's 22 A Million, which is the title of the album. So there's importance to this. Onward. Uh, song number two is called 10 Death Breast. Yep. Um, I gave this a rating of comme si, comme ça, so-so. Okay. Uh, drums. Yeah, this is the first part where you see that they looped a drum track. And it's... Over and over again. When I say drums, that's a loose term. It's right. it's a some type of percussive instrument that is heavily distorted or blown out and very, very affected by some electronic instrument. Yeah. Um, it's not my cup of tea. I think a lot of people like it. I, I could, do, yeah. I couldn't get into it. Um, and I think the reason that I like it is because I listened to like dubstep back in high school. That makes sense. So like, I really like that. The, the, the unique, loop, weird the loop sound. beat, yeah. And it's it's a weird sound. So that's maybe not my background. Maybe that's why I couldn't connect with it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's very unique and abrasive sounding. Yeah. All I all I know is that whenever I first bought this album and I first heard this song, I was like, ooh, I like that. Like that's nice. As soon as I heard, it, I was like, oh. <laughs> and unfortunately, that beat is in most of this song. So it's it's one of my less favorite songs okay. on this album. Um, there is a nice contrast when you start singing because the vocal melody is pretty clear and mm-hmm. uh, and a lot more pleasant sounding. So I think there's a nice juxtaposition. I believe a is nice the word. duality. Duality. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's fine. But um, it's just again, I couldn't really connect with it. Okay. Moving on to track number three, which is called seven. Is it seven one five or 715? seven fifteen? Seven one five. Seven one five creeks and seven one five is the area code where Eau Claire is located. Yep. Uh, I gave this a rating of bone and I recommended it. Yeah, I, I very very much like this song. <laughs> yes. This is where you first see the, that. The very first time I heard it, uh, I thought of hide and seek by Imogen Heap. You know that I don't song? know that song. Mm, what you say? Okay. Where are we? Well, you know the song. I, yeah, I I'm heard it. fairly certain. I um, the reason it reminded me of that is because it's got this like auto-tuned voice with tons of harmonies that are processed and put together. Right. It's not auto-tuned though. It is. No, well, it's not. It's not like it's not the conventional I'm not, auto-tune. I'm not. It's a conventional auto-tune. I'm not saying like T-Pain auto-tune. Right, but that's what most people would think of. But it's, most people are wrong. It's. I mean, because you could say. I guess you could say the like a vo- the talk box is also auto-tuned. Right. Every every it's, it's vocal, it's only every vocally here on, on a recording is is auto tuned. This one you can kind of tell, but it's not. I'm not saying like T Pain auto tuned. <clears throat> yeah, it's not like a negative auto tune. Like no, I'm not. I'm, there's no negative connotation uh, intended there. Mm-hmm. However, what makes this song different than Emojin Heaps Hide and Seek is the instrument that they used, and this is the instrument they created, called the Messina. Mm-hmm. It was created by. I believe Justin, some guy named Chris Messina, and yeah. maybe one or two other people. I can't really remember. Um, but what this instrument does is it allows, and I'm gonna. This is a direct quote from okay. from I think Justin Vernon talking about it. It allows them to split a melody into harmonies on the fly, giving the player ability to change the chords and the arrangement in real time. Right. So that's that's the big difference because a lot of if you ever hear anything that sounded like this on another song, it was probably. They would record multiple things and then put them like together done in, afterwards done in post. post yeah. yeah. So this allows and them to do it. They could do it live if they wanted to. Yeah. With this and I've seen I've seen a video of this live and it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like I th- I believe it's just like a little keyboard with like a microphone attached mm-hmm. to it. I think that's all it is. So it's it's pretty cool that they did this and it's musically off the top of my head I can't remember if there's any other instruments or if it's just his vocals. It's the whole, just just yeah. his vocals through the whole thing. Yeah. And it's it's really cool sounding. Uh, yeah. And the melody, if you take away even the harmonies, like take away the harmonies, 
the melody is really catchy. I remember, remember something. something. And again, this is a song we're talking about specific instances, like down yeah. among the creeks. I remember something. So he's talking about these specific instances, and there's another instance later where he remembers something again on a different yeah. different term. Um, I bl- from what I can tell, it seems like this song is about wanting to get out of Eau Claire. Could be. Because um, I think there was a portion as Well, I think... I don't know if you're going to touch on this later, but I know he went to some island in the Mediterranean. One the of the, one of the Greek, Greek isles. Greek islands, yeah. Um, but he, for a while to try to figure out He tried to find himself and yeah. he couldn't. Um, but the re- other reason I say that, uh, one of the la- last lines in this song is uh, he says, Turn around now, you're my A-team. Yeah. Galdern, turn around, you're my A-team. Yeah, Except saying, he says... Like you're you're the the number my number one come back yeah like I don't know if he's talking to, to a person or if he's talking to Claire or who knows what who he's knows, talking about but he knows but that's, that's he does point. know um, but before we move on just one more note okay <laughs> uh, the Messina instrument comes back in multiple songs it's it's all over the place yeah. but there's one track in particular that it's featured prominently which is a track called forty five I'll yeah. touch upon that later because yeah. it's used really differently yeah um, on to song number four which is called. 33 God. I gave yeah. this song decor. It's okay. Decor. Um, three is a holy number. Uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy yeah. Trinity, some may say. Um, so obviously when he says 33 God, that's that's a, for a specific reason. Yeah. And do you know how long the song is? Three minutes and 33 seconds? Yes. Mm. So there's some obviously some planning. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. interesting, huh? Um, I think during that uh, press conference that I sent you, uh, he talks about how he like really enjoyed studying religion in college. Yeah, and I'll touch upon that in a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to try to shed some light on yeah. the meaning of this song. Or but whatever. if you're at all curious what this uh, press conference Jesse is talking about, uh, Justin Vernon, I believe is right before, was it right before he like released the album into the world? Mm, or right after the premiere, it maybe? It was either... It was around the time of the release or that, premiere. We'll all I know that. is that during the press conference, they listened to the whole album. Yeah, that's all. So I know. it was a press conference where he talked about the new album, and he invited a whole bunch of um, prominent reporters, reporters, uh, magazines, of, radio stations, magazines, radio stations, to one place, and he gave one press conference so that he didn't have to do like a whole press junket for a tour. He didn't have to call on radio stations all the time. He just wanted to do it once and be done with it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really interesting information. Um, I'd recommend listening to it. It might help you appreciate the album more. We'll post a link for it on our on our uh, epi- uh, website. website. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't come up Website, with that. that's the word. Which is bruisingtunespodcast.com. Check it out. Yes. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, this song really, it's just okay. I, I liked it at the beginning when it was just vocals and piano, but the drums are kind of cool when they come in, but I, I just like the strip back, stripped back vocal and piano because mm-hmm. this album doesn't have too much in the way of stripped back. Yeah. Unlike the previous efforts of Justin Vernon. Yeah. Moving on to track number five, which is called 29 Stratford Apartments. Apartments. A-P-P-T. A-P-T-S. Yeah. Uh, I gave this a rating of decor. It's okay. Okay. Uh, but an acoustic guitar starts the song. Yep. Finally! <laughs> uh, not that there weren't guitars in other songs. There were. Finally! I, in fact, I think there's a guitar in the first song that comes in and just strums yeah. the chords. But it's, it's kind of cool to have a guitar starting out the song. Mm-hmm. And that picking pattern reminds me of uh, that one song from Inside Lou and Davis. Oh, when really? I, like do 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 do, do it just but then it changes when I really go quick. Back Baltimore. 
Um, but you know, it was just the song almost has a folky vibe to it. It doesn't last yeah. forever, but it, it does. It is there, and there's not that much in the way of folky vibes on this album. Mm-hmm. Which when I think Bon Iver, I think folky. Yeah. Um, so this is probably maybe the closest we'll get to folk on this album. Um, there's a melodic hook that happens in this song, and it happens quite a bit. Maybe like three times total. Mm-hmm. But in the last time they do it, it almost sounds like they obviously affected it somehow. But it almost sounds like a radio that's cutting in and out from from reception. Right. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? I think I, I think I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm not really. Like that mm-hmm. line, and it just kind of cuts in and out, and I'm not really sure why they did it. Obviously, it's intentional. I think everything that happens on this yeah. album is very intentional. I, w- I would agree with you there. Just, just an odd choice. Just wanted to point that out. Okay. Moving on to track number six, which is called 666 Upside Down Cross. Yep. Um, this is the song that deals with... Religion. Religion, yeah. Yeah, I gave this song a come si, come sa. Uh, it's so-so. Uh, but yeah, obviously, so-so. even if for those who aren't versed in religion or uh, Judeo-Christian or any of those things... People know that 666 represents the devil. Yeah. Uh, It's very obvious. Um, There's no accident that this is track number six. Wow! Um, Obviously, like we touched upon very briefly, Justin Vernon was raised Catholic. He talks about being confirmed. He even studied religious studies in his school. Yeah. Uh, So he knows a lot about religion, and he has had a falling out. Yes. However, he finds great importance in religion because it it, uh, allows you to see why people do what they do or why they think what they think. Mm -hmm. And he finds a lot of value in a religious symbolism. Yeah. Uh, And he touches upon that a lot in this album, mainly this song in particular, but it definitely comes back a lot in the album. Um, even the very beginning of the song, they talk about like the sixes hung up, and it like caught like he caught his attention. You can't you can't ignore that. Yeah. Um, it might not have been like a literal six six six. Might have been something like an omen or something bad that he saw. I, who knows? But probably the I don't know. But like regardless, though, I would say that he's not like bashing religion. No. Like he's looking at it from a very intellectual intellectual place. Kind of like I would the way I would assume Greg Graffin would look at it. Yeah, from bad religion. Yeah. Yeah. He, just, just from a. a uh, We'll just say an the, educational, the, the academic study. Yeah, yeah. Not nothing to say any bad. Just a, an academic study. Um, musically, melodically, it's very so-so. That's why I gave it the rating. Come say, come sa. Come say, come sa. Come say, come sa, sa. Shall we move on? Yes, you shall. Okay. Uh, moving <laughs> on to track number seven, which is called "21 Moonwater." I gave this rating of mall. It's my mall. least favorite on the mm-hmm. the album. Water. But the numbers are important here. Why are they important? What is twenty-one to you? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. It's seven mm-hmm. times three. Oh, seven uh, in Judeo-Christian religion is the number of God. Yeah, uh, three is a holy number as well. Put them together, twenty-one. Huh. Track number seven. Never thought about that actually. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Very interesting. Um, and what did I say? Seven times three. What is that when you like multiply things, or you add like what is that called? That's that what? that uh, academic class that you go to like multiplication. Yeah, but what's the the grander thing? Algebra? Yeah, but you're simplified. What class are you going to? Math? Yes, math! <laughs> he, talk, he even sings about math in this song. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I was just trying to get you to say at math. Some, at some point, I realized, I, like, I remembered what was in the song, and I realized yeah. what you were trying to do. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Um, but this song, there's a lot of weird sounds in this song. Yeah. Um, they, they come in sporadically uh, near the first half of the song, but as it progresses, the song almost deteriorates, and these weird sounds are everywhere, and it just... The song goes from order to chaos. How about that? Okay. Remember that. Order to chaos. Okay. Might come back later. Anyways, moving Maybe. on to track number eight, uh, which is called Eight Circle. I gave this bone. It's my second recommendation. Okay. Um, 
this is easily like easily oh, the most it's, it's so melodic good. and catchy song on the yeah, album. Yeah, um, I agree. Maybe not my favorite, but still, I'd say the most melodic and catchy song on the album. Um, there's a really cool um, video on YouTube where he does he plays this song on acoustic guitar, just acoustic guitar. I would like um, to hear that for like one person. It's like this weird European festival where like they're doing these segments where an artist will play a song of theirs to one person in this weird room. That's really <laughs> but weird. but is it like anyway, broadcast? a bunch of people or something no no it's just it's i mean now it is because it's on youtube they recorded it yeah but what it's, it's kind of cool though because it's just idea. just acoustic guitar so it's, it's i'd kind like of to hear a, that kind of a cool version of it yeah, but before we go into anything about the song uh the number eight he turn it sideways or disconnect them i guess it's two circles yeah so eight circle you know <laughs> another duality i guess <laughs> no definitely duality there's duality all across this album yeah the melody is kind of more reminiscent of what I expect from uh, Justin Vernon and Bon Iver. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more longing and melancholy sounding, mm-hmm. uh, more so than the rest of the album. Um, again, I'm not really sure what it's about, but I'm, I'm positively touching upon specific instances or examples in his life. Yeah. Um, it's a very conventional chord progression, I'd say, and a very conventional melody. But it doesn't take away from it at all. I think it's yeah. it's a very catchy song. Uh, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, that's that's nice. That's yeah. a good change of pace. Especially yeah. from the last song, Going Crazy. Right. Maybe that's why the last song went crazy. Uh, but moving on to track number nine, which is called 45. Um, I gave this a rating of Genial. It's my last recommendation. Genial? Yeah. I mean, it's great. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, the Messina Returns. Yes. Uh, that's that instrument we're talking about. Obviously, it didn't go anywhere. They use it in multiple songs, but it returns for its most prominent... Uh, usage. Usage again. Yep. They don't use it for the vocals, per se, in the song. They use it for a saxophone. Yeah. How which cool is, is that? weird. And I did read that it was a free... Like, they recorded like it was a free-form saxophone yeah, part. Yeah, it was just like they just kind of improvised. Yeah, and so the saxophone is split up into all these harmonies, and it almost... Sounds, the, the timing is affected, too, and it's just... It's odd and out there but it's kind of cool uh it's kind of chaotic when all these like like saxophone parts are like like coming in all over the place and if you're listening with headphones it's in stereo so it sounds even cooler yeah um but my favorite part about this song other than like the end of the song what's really awesome um is that it gradually gets more and more ordered like the the randomness Mm. of the saxophone kind of pulls together as the song progresses Hmm. and it gets more and more Regular sounding. I don't know. I don't know okay, a better yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. So, where Moon Water Twenty One Moon Water went from like a pleasant sounding song to chaos, this song almost went chaos to order. Okay, interesting. Um, and they have eight circle in between those two. There's probably some significance, but the, I would say so. I'd say the two songs right. are related. And Moon Water, obviously, they're talking about water, and that comes up a couple times. This song is not water. They talk about fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the lyrics repeat Lyle themselves. Was in fire. I stayed out the other night. I'm trying to do harmonies, but it's too tough. I was born in fire. And the the vocal melody that comes in while the saxophones are doing who knows what is just really catchy. Mm-hmm. And as it gets to this more ordered spot, it just it sounds so pleasant. And yeah, it's just, the, the melody like climb, uh, crescendos and mm-hmm. like gets higher and. Climaxes. And the melody starts to continue to the point where like the saxophone starts to continue. It almost sounds like an organ playing. It might be an organ. I don't really know. But it just sounds really pleasing at the end, and it's my favorite song on the album. Nice. Plus, there's some weird banter what at the comes end. From... Yeah, true. <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, but it fades out into the last song, which is called... 
a million, but it's stylized really weird. It's five yeah. zeros and then the word million. And the reason they picked five zeros is because if you have it on like iTunes or anywhere where they have the track number right before it, you'll see tr- ten and then One five zero, 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 zero. A million. Literally yep. a million. Uh, I gave this rating of Bone. Uh, it's a very pleasant melodic song. Um, unfortunately, the reason I didn't give it a honorable mention or, or um, recommendation. recommendation is because I can't really remember like the melody. Like, right, I've yeah. listened to the song a ton of times, and it's just something that doesn't really stick with me. Okay. I'm, I'm happy every time I hear it. It's very pleasant. Um, um, the piano is triumphant, I'll say that. I will say that, remember the last album where I said track number 10 was very hymnal? Hip, like, like a hymn? Yeah, I, I can say see that, that here I say that this time. one's definitely big very time. hymnal as well. Or it sounds hymnal or gospel or something like that. We'll say that I'm gonna contradict myself a little bit. I remember one part of this song. Okay, it's the sampled part. The days have no numbers. Yeah, that part comes back the quite a few times. Days have no numbers. But I think that's an interesting thing to say. No numbers mm-hmm. on an album that's number centric. Yeah. So maybe Justin Vernon, like I just did, he's now contradicting himself, perhaps. A wee bit of a contradiction, eh? Yeah. So obviously, there's some reason why he did that. It's pretty cool to to have that in the song. Yeah. Um. I'll give my review of the album. It's not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, just, just like the last one, too. After listening to it and studying it, and especially after watching his press conference, which we'll put on our website, I really appreciate the album. Um, I think that everything was manicula- ma- <laughs> meticulous, meticulously put together. <laughs> Meniscusly. Everything was meticulously put together. Yeah. Um, from the album artwork, which is cool to look at, from the arrangements... To the instrumentations, to the vocal lines, to the lyrics. Uh, this is nothing happens on accident in this song. Uh, this album, I should say. Yeah. Um, but it's not my cup of tea. The the right. replay value for me personally really isn't, isn't there. Isn't very high. Yeah. It's, it, there's a lot of merit to this album. Obviously, the critical acclaim, the commercial success, and the Grammy nominations. It's I respect it. It's just not for me. That's yeah. and that's fine. Not everyone likes everything. It's yeah. Fine. For me, for me, this album has very high replay value. Yeah. We're, we got different tastes. That's yeah. fine. Um, not, I'm not going to knock the album. I'm glad I listened to it. I don't regret listening to it. Yeah. It's just not for me. Um, and before we move on to Jesse's album, I'm going to give a couple differences between these albums because I think okay. that's a good thing. Okay. Um, I think he used his lower register a lot more than the previous album, a little less falsetto, which yeah. I kind of liked, actually. Um, the falsetto thing's not my cup of tea. Um, obviously, the the sound, the electronic sound, all the influences is the huge difference. Yeah. Um, but I think something that people won't necessarily look at as much as the song structure changes big time. Mm. Um, in the last album, the song structure was a little bit more, I don't want to say conventional, but it was a little more, you know what to expect. And he did some things that were different on that album, but here the song structure is all over the place. Yeah. Um, the way he arranges these songs is just very unique. And yeah. that's it's different and kind of cool. It's because I'm, I'm a pretty traditional guy when it comes to song structure, so to hear something different is refreshing. Yeah, I would say yeah. so. Um, this might actually be one of my least favorite albums that you've recommended. Even more than Broken Bells. Yeah. Wow. Um, like I said, I don't regret listening to it. It's just... Right. It's just not for you. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, if you guys don't like an album we rec- like review or recommend, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to branch out your, your views, and I like that you recommended this to branch out my views. My yes. views have my musical tastes and views have been branched out. <laughs> now stop. They have grown. They will never grow again. I will never branch out. No, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll, I'll continue to branch out. <laughs> oh man, for sure. Yeah. Um, but to move on to a to an album that is a little bit more, um, the changes in the album are a little bit more obvious. Yeah, or less convoluted, uh, less unknown. 
Um, a little more up front. We'll little, yeah, a little bit more up on front. On the nose. Uh, so I'm reviewing the album from Against Me called Transgender Dysphoria Blues. Um, so the obvious first change that I'm going to talk talk about is that uh, Tom, Ga- Tom Gable, correct? Correct. Um, began between those two albums, between the album that I, re- I reviewed last week and this album, uh, came out as a transgender woman. Correct. And... Uh, made the process or started the transition yes um to laura jane grace Mm -hmm. so this album um she wrote as laura jane grace and not as tom gable the first album from laura jane grace yes and so that's the obvious uh change the obvious thing that is different uh and with that brings a whole lot of emotional and very personal strife from her yeah uh I'll say that take what I say about these songs with a grain of salt because I am not obvious. I'm not experienced with how that would feel. No, or not many uh, people are. It's yeah. It's very. It's a very. Um, what's the word for it? Uh, not yeah. Not a lot of people. It's, it's experience. Not, it's it. not the most common thing, but it, it happens. Yeah. Um, but what I'll say is that she. I believe her lyrics are very straightforward. Do you know what dysmorphia means? Dysphoria. That's what I meant to say. Uh, uh, general uneasiness of how you feel. Yeah, pretty much. Like a lot of people will, will talk about uh, body dysphoria, where like they'll like there's a mental health condition where people have body dysphoria, where they will like look at themselves in the mirror and think that they're like huge and fat, but they'll yeah. like literally be malnourished and underweight. Yeah, like so it's 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 a it's a real thing. And so when yeah. they put transgender in there, it's obviously uh, a transgender dysphoria yeah, blues. Yeah, um, I'll touch on that in the last track. And, can I make one note? Yeah. Um, in some of Against Me's other albums, between um, Reinventing Axl Rose and this one, mm. there have been some sorts that they, some lyrics that he had that alluded to this. Are you going to yeah. touch upon this at all? No, you can say okay. something now. Um, for example, on the album New Wave, uh, they have this song called The Ocean, and one of the lyrics says, "If I was, if I could have been chose, or if I could have chose, I would have been born a woman. Um, I would have been named Laura." Yeah. So it's so that's clearly a connection, right? <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. pretty obvious. Um, but again, I will say that I'm approaching this album uh, with great care. Because yeah. it's a, obviously in America right now, it's a very uh, hot... I don't, what's, the, what, what's, a hot the, what, what's the right word for it, though? It's like a, a touchy... It's not like a, like a touchy subject, it's a, but it's it, like... It can be. You don't want to step on anyone's toes or offend anyone. Yeah. Um, and it's a very divided time in America, too. So yeah, don't. and like, obviously, if someone feels that way, like, there's there's no reason that I should say that they can't feel that way, you yeah. know? If you guys but, disagree with anything that, that we say on this album or anything, and instead of getting mad and posting about it, just send us a message. We'll have a conversation. Yeah, but uh, um, all that aside... I would say that this album, while well, the content is very emotionally driven and in some ways uh, sad and difficult, yeah. I would say that it's very uh, triumphant Yeah. at the same time. Perhaps their most personal record to date. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, so perhaps. we're going to get it. We're going to start it off with track number one. We're going to start it off, perhaps. 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 Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I started that and you I did. didn't know how to did. end it. I really had no idea how to end that. I'm sorry. Perhaps. Um, just a quick note: as this beer is warmed up, it is very good. Um, again, I'm having Evil Twins beer, Yang. Is the it other half, changed at all? The other half of Yin. Um, 
I would just say that it's gotten even more malty and like even more hoppy. Yeah. Mine warmed up. is consistently the exact same. Mm. Delicious. Um, Solid gold. Anyway. Solid hazy gold. Back from that beer break. Back from that beer break. Here we go. Back to Jesse and Steven about the album. <laughs> thank you, announcer. You're great. <laughs> yes, thank you, announcer. Uh, anyway, back to the track number one, which I gave five out of five and recommended. Uh, it's called Transgender Dysphoria Blues, title track. Wow! Uh, this song, I will say, kind of connects to the album I reviewed before in the way that it sonically, it kind of oh, sounds, sounds the same. Yeah, with the drums yeah. and the With the drums the and the guitar tone. Yeah. It sounds not identical, but similar. Yes, and it's very reminiscent of their um, folky punk sound. Yeah, the thing that's different about it is... Uh, she doesn't scream as much, and that's probably most of the album. Yeah, Whereas that's that's reinventing prob- Axl Rose. Yeah, as lots of screams. Yeah, that's probably the biggest difference between the mm-hmm. two albums is that she doesn't scream nearly as much. Yeah, or at all, really. <laughs> Maybe slightly here and there, but not really much at all. Yeah. Uh, so basically, this song is about wanting the world, or just people she comes in contact to, like in her everyday life, to view her view her as. Who she, like who she is. Who she yeah, is. Yeah. Um, Even just the people you walk by. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the one lyric that really uh, brings us home t- for me or kind of tells me that this is what it's about is uh, a lyric that I'll, I'll read you here. Um, there is, um, some might consider it offensive language, but I'm going to read it anyway because I think it really drives through just call it emotional. Just- um, so the, the, it starts off by saying, you want them to notice... The ragged ends of your summer dress. You want them to see you like they see every other girl. They just see a faggot. They hold their breath not to catch the sick. Mm-hmm. So I apologize if anyone's offended by me saying that. But I believe that that's probably how she truly feels. Oh, definitely. And I so I feel like you need to... I need, I, anyway, it doesn't yeah, really matter. It's a, it's a very uh, stinging yeah. word for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It has a lot of bag. That word has a lot of baggage. Yeah heavy connotation yeah um and the part that strikes me the most about that lyric is they hold their breath not to catch the sick Mm -hmm. uh which as if it's contagious yeah as if her like you know being a woman is contagious like or like the fact that whenever she was a guy she felt like a woman like and that would like someone maybe would catch that quote-unquote sickness which is just not gonna happen a little bit ridiculous um but anyway, I would say that this this song is like the flagship of the whole album. I would agree. It seems like that, uh, both sonically and uh, topic wise. Uh, very very good. Highly recommend it. Word. Uh, track number two is called "True Trans Soul Rebel," and I give it five out of five and recommend it as well. True Trans Rebel. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Do 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 do. Um, this is a song. Dealing with questions slash problems a transgender person faces, and a longing for a community to fit in, basically, because I can only imagine how isolating that would feel if one were to feel that way. Yeah, it's got to be very isolating. Um, whenever uh, Tom made the change to Laura, um, everyone close said they were okay with it. Like the bandmates, uh, his his then wife, Heather. Was it Heather? Then wife. Yeah. As of now, they're not together? I believe so. Okay. Uh, I believe they separated or divorced, um, don't quote me, uh, and half the band quit, or half the band is no longer in there. So Hmm. 
I, I think there was some type of difficulties that happened. Some, some so the people you think are closest, obviously. I mean, that's that's a big change. It's it's, it's a, yeah. like I said, touchy subject. What would you do in that situation? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a interesting subject. So obviously, the isolation is there. Yeah. Um, but I just think that's a great song. Really catchy too. Super catchy. Super catchy. I saw them live recently, and they they play that song. They they play this one. Yeah. Nice. It was a good show. Yeah, I kind of wish like you had said. Do you want to go to it? Even though you don't really know much music about them, do you want to go to it? And I was like, ah, no, I'll just skip it. I should have, I should have gone. I took Becca, and she knew like, she knew like two songs, and at the end she's like, that was so good. I know, I should have gone. I really Next regret, time. regret it's, not going. They're worth driving to see. They're they're very good live. Yeah. Um. Anyway, under track number three, uh, it's called Unconditional Love, mm-hmm. and I get this three point five out of five, and I would say basically it's a song about struggling with the idea of uncon- unconditional love. Yeah, it's a like because strange, you know, strange they, idea. Yeah, struggling with the idea of how someone could love you unconditionally. Do you like the bass in this song? The bass lines. Yeah. Do you know who recorded it? Fat Mike. Really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, the bass player left the band, um, obviously. Oh, okay. Um, so Fat Mike filled in, and I believe oh. they were on their second. Their original drummer actually quit before the album. Before this, hmm. um, but the uh, drummer they had a replacement quit before this album came out so oh, Adam wow. Willard filled in on drums and he's now their, their actual drummer oh wow yeah from Angels really and Airwaves cool. oh cool and Rocket from the Crypt and a whole, whole bunch of other bands yeah um, anyway on track number four it's called Drinking with the Jocks I'm Drinking with the Jocks and uh, I gave the song 3.5 out of 5 yeah. um, I like it like it's catchy uh, um, there's even more offensive language in this song oh there's, a, there's offensive language <laughs> um, all over this album but this song, I would say, from what I can tell, this song is basically about trying to fit in like with the popular crowd instead of being yourself. Yeah. So like when you should just be yourself and fit in who whatever you know whoever you fit in with. Um, this is like trying to conform to something someone else. What you believe cool. is popular yeah. or whatever. Um, anyway, on track number five, uh, I gave it three out of five, and it's called Osama bin Laden as the Crucified Christ. <laughs> That's great. Not <laughs> some imagery there. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what the song's about. I'm not either. Uh, um, it's kind of dark and heavy sounding. They, though. yeah, it, it it reminded me of a Jack White song. <laughs> Just the, the sound. in the terms of the son- oh, in the, yeah, in the terms of sonically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, from what I can tell, it's hate directed at someone or some group of people, but mm-hmm. I don't really know who. Um, I could be wrong about that though. I have no idea. Uh, FML, right? Yeah. Anyway, on to the next song, uh, FML 666. Uh, for those of you who don't know what FML means, it's the F word, my life. Yeah. 666. Yep. So a 666 in this album as well. Interesting. Um, yeah, track number six again. Track number six, yep. Um, I gave the song five out of five and I recommend it. I believe you um, recommended all the singles off of this album. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I For the record, I did not know what the singles were off this album. Yeah, that's very Before enough. listening to it. Um, this song is really good. It's very, very catchy. Yes, it is. Um, but it's kind of a really heavy subject. And it's it's a song at the time of its release dealing with his then her then wife, Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not, you know, like the, the anxiety about telling, like coming out to her. That's... About her... About about Laura's transition like, that she wanted to un- me, undergo. Me, myself, personally, I don't really understand the whole transition like i i don't i obviously i don't have the transgender dysphoria so I, I i can't understand yeah so obviously i don't understand i don't know what it's like but yeah if i was in that position 
and I had a wife of many, many years and a child with this wife, I can't imagine trying to come to terms and say that to, to your partner. Yeah, so I th- I believe that's why the song is called FML 666. Yeah, like... Because, like, it's just like... I can't, I can't I do this. don't even know what to do right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, like, the song is sonically catchy. Mm-hmm. And also, it's a, like a good... A good um, the context of the song is good, too. Yeah, it is. Um, Very good song. Interesting to think about. Uh, both from her standpoint and from anybody's standpoint who's maybe has some type of thing they need to tell someone you yeah. know uh but anyway on to track number seven it's called dead friend and i give it four to five it's a dark title yeah it is um and i believe it's just a song about mourning the loss of a close friend a close close friend uh Agreed. i guess his nickname was pope pope john paul yeah something like that pope john francis no Pope Mary Lemieux. <laughs> he's the Pope of Pittsburgh. <laughs> he's me. the Pope of Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he's at least the Pope of the Penguins. Do you know Wayne Gretzky's number? That was that was that? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. You know Lemieux's number, right? Sixty six. One hundred. It's flipped, right? Oh, it's flipped. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky's great, but I I think Mary Lemieux's way better. I don't know. I th- I think he's better. It all depends. I mean, times have changed so much. People people would probably say Crosby's better. He's not. Um, <laughs> he's not. In the late, very big grass here. In right, the late fine. '80s, uh, Lemieux had like he was like outscoring everyone in the league, and like he was setting records. Mm-hmm. And then he had like back problems. Oh shoot! Um, to the point where like when he would get up off the bench to go over, he would have to, like, pick his leg up because he couldn't stand up. Or when he was on planes, he had to get people to put his stuff in the overhead bin and help him stand up because he couldn't wow. do that. that's crazy. Um, he was on a... I believe it was, like, a 29-game streak, like, scoring. Scoring streak? Oh, my god! I, I can't that's remember crazy. the exact number, but he was, like, seven or eight games away from Gretzky's record, and do you yeah. know why he, he the streak broke? Why? He had to sit out a game because his back hurt so bad. Wow. Crazy, huh? That sucks. Um... So he had a back surgery and then had a rare bone infection and had to like sit out. Oh my out gosh! Like, and then later on in his career, he had Hodgkin's disease, like he had cancer, Jeez. and had to get radiation. So he's had a very, very lot of ailments. Wow! But he is the only player ever to score five times in one game, five different ways: full strength, short-handed, power play, penalty shot, open net. Wow. It's never happened. That's pretty cool. Well, five goals in one game is just crazy. Crazy in general. And to do five, five, five different, different ways. ways. Never happened oh. since. His number should have been 55. Nah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it hides it, maybe, but no. <laughs> Let me use the greatest. Fight me for it. I'll hockey fight you. Uh, I'm good. I don't need to. No, not you. Just the listeners. Oh, yeah. Hockey fight me, listeners. Hockey fight. What? Yeah. But you have to wear a hockey jersey. Uh, Just just as another, another side note, another grass. Uh... If you don't like, if, well, if you're a fan of hockey but you don't like fighting in hockey, you should watch the uh, documentary Ice Guardians on Netflix. On Netflix, yeah. Shout out to Ice Guardians. It's a great documentary. Great documentary. Check about it out. fight about the history of fighting in hockey it and why it's necessary. Change your mind necessary. about fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad, even though he watches it, he still doesn't like fighting. Yeah. Well, his reasoning is if you do that on the street, you go to jail. Uh, Which, I can see that, but I think it's part of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's the the fact the reason that I don't agree with what your dad thinks there is uh-huh. that the people who are doing the fighting are con- are consenting to it within the rules of the game true so 
But then again, there are some people who get... What uh, about boxing? Well, those people definitely consent. But in hockey, there are yeah, some people boxing, who get... Yeah, but boxing, you would uh, get arrested for doing that, too. But people still say boxing is a sport. Agreed. So, anyway. Fair enough. Anyway, enough with sports. Enough with the sports. Yeah. Enough with the small talk. Yeah, let's bury the sports in yeah. some coffins. What are we talking about here? Hockey night in Canada? <laughs> let's talk mind. about the good guys. Let's talk about against me. Oh, eh? Eh? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's bury that, that sports talk in some coffins, man. Oh, boy, yes. Specifically two coffins, because yeah. we were talking about boxing and hockey. Yeah, let's put them in two coffins. Anyway, on to track number eight. I gave it four to five, and it's called Two Coffins. <laughs> uh, this song is kind of sad. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, it's realistic, but sad. Yeah. Because I, from what I can tell, it's a song about how everything comes to an end eventually. Do you know who he wrote the song for? For his daughter. Yeah. Her daughter. Her daughter. I'm sorry. My bad. My pronouns are not... uh, Yeah. I'm not... uh, My pronouns are not on fleek tonight. My pronouns are not woke. Yes. I I suppose that's the Um, word. It was written for her daughter, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So everything's going to come to an end. Yeah. And the lyric lyric that I wrote down is, two coffins for sleep. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. It's very dark. Um, And this is acoustic. Mm -hmm. Acoustic style. Uh, Anyway, on to track number nine... Paralytic states. Uh, I was reading some comments on Lyric Genius, and there was one user who commented a lot on this album, and who was also uh, transgender as well. Uh-huh. Uh, and she wrote about this song um, that, like, the one some of the lyrics in this song hit her the hardest and like meant the most to her. Uh, and um, the lyric that I wrote down. Uh, is kind of crazy and takes a while to process. So I won't go too deep into it. I'll let you guys process that yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so think of this in the context of of a man who feels like a woman and is going through that process of transitioning. Uh, the quote, the lyric is, in her dysphoria's reflection, she still saw her mother's son. So mm. like dealing with that, the fact that all of your family has known you as one gender forever, 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 but feeling a different way the whole time, and so that's why I kind of like how she said in her dysphoria's um, with the with the quote or apostrophe apostrophe between the A and the S. Yeah. So giving that dysphoria uh, life and like possession. Yeah. You know, giving a little ownership um, there. Yeah, in her dysphoria's reflection, she still saw her mother's son. So. I thought that was um, a very telling line and a very uh, good way, like, not a good, that's not, the right, that's not the right nomenclature. Um, yeah, a very honest song, a very honest lyric. Yeah. Um, anyway, on to track number 10, it's called Black Me Out. It's very, very catchy. Is this the last song? Yeah, this is the last song. So. Uh, four to five. I'm not really sure what it's about, though. I don't know, I'm going crazy, maybe? Black Me Out? I have no idea. Do you think it's about like getting blackout drunk? I have absolutely no idea. Because he talks about like, I, I want to pee on your walls. Yeah, but then I don't know. I don't like, know. It's hard to of, tell. A lot of the other lyrics also talk about us, like, cutting someone's fat, fleshy fingers off. Yeah, fat, fleshy fingers off. <laughs> so I like I don't I don't yeah. know what it's about. Cut those rings off those flat. Those fat, fat those fat yeah. fleshy fingers. Yeah, but it's really catchy. Do, it do, is very do, catchy. Do, yeah. do, 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 Black do, me out. Do, do, do. Very catchy song. 
Um, anyways, two really good albums. Uh, yeah, before I mean... We, before we close out, what would you say are the biggest differences between Reinventing Axl Rose and this album? Sonically, it's less less shouting, more melodic, uh, a little bit tighter in the way it sounds. Production-wise, production-wise, production-wise is a big difference. They went from like the cheapest, probably the cheapest recording studio ever, to like a full-scale, yeah, state-of-the-art recording studio. And then, um, obviously, I already touched on this earlier, but the fact that um, Tom Gable is now Laura Jane Grace—that is the biggest, big change. biggest change emotionally and lyrically in the songs in the album as well. Definitely less folky. Um, definitely less folky, more rocky. Um, I would say definitely check it out though. It's a solid album. And I think we might review one of their albums in a one-off later, or maybe either one-off or a repeater later down the road. But yeah, we'll get to that later. Yep. Uh, so that was the conclusion of our two-part episode. Uh, I hope uh, you listened to both episodes. That's great. Yeah, and if you, oh, we should have said this at the beginning. <laughs> if you're starting on this episode, go back to the last episode to listen to our reviews of the earlier albums <laughs> whoops whoops for our order but that's okay yeah everything's backwards um, here but anyway thank you for listening to this hopefully it was as uh educational or whatever you want to call it for you guys insightful. as it was for us yeah. um going forward next week we're going to do another one-off episode uh like we normally do uh, every other episode well this these past two episodes were an exception because it was a two-parter uh, but normally every other episode we're doing one off so we just review one album and we try one beer so next week, we will be reviewing the fantastic album, Enema of the State, from the Grammy-nominated band, Blink-182. Um, if that's or not a as, good album, then I don't know what's to or as other Or as others might say, next week, we are going to be reviewing the album, Enema of the State, by Blink-182. Or as Stephen would say, we're going to be reviewing the album that shaped my life. <laughs> that's actually that changed true. the way... It just changed everything for me. It's a game changer. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is going to be a fun one next week. Not that it's not a fun one every week, but I'm really excited for this one. <laughs> yeah. And, um, if you guys can't tell, Steve is a big fan of Blink-182. Blinkle-182. <laughs> Deep cut. <laughs> Deep cut? Oh, gosh. Um, anyways, anyway, that's going to be next week. Uh, why don't we give a little final review on our beers? Yes, my beer, um, I know you said yours has changed. Mine has been consistent the whole way. Um, I think it's really good. The, uh, and what beer are you having? The Bearded Iris. Double Home Double style. Home Style. Okay, so just again, Sorry that style. I didn't say the name. Um, That's all right. It's consistent the entire way through. It, it tasted fantastic cold. It tasted fantastic as it warmed up a little bit. Yeah. Um, like I said before, it's a little bit sweet, a lot of juicy, nice amount of hops, very drinkable, which is strange for an 8.2% double IPA, but it's yeah. very good. I would have this again, and I will have this again. Yes, exactly. Um, and for me, again, I'm having the Yang by Evil Twin Brewing, the Imperial Taiji style in India Pale Ale. Um, it's still very good, uh, super hoppy. I can't, still can't believe it's only 65 IBUs. But yeah, I would say that this is more malty than a normal pale IPA. Uh, very good. If you if you get if you get the chance, check it out. It's delicious. Well, why don't we give the uh, sign off? Finish our beers and have me on home. Have me on home. All right. Thanks again, you guys. My name is Stephen Johnston, and my name is Jesse. T.
tight Titus. And my name is Jeff. Oh, Jesse Titus. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. That's insane. Uh, thanks again for listening, you guys. This is American Brews yeah, and Tunes. Thank you so much. Here's a theme song. You know it's not a mean song. It's a good song, just as it should song. American Brews and Tunes. Shibbity beam a day.